The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, Springs Church. Merry Christmas again to you all, and Happy New Year's Eve morning to you. It, whatever that means, I'm happy that you're here. And I see we have some visitors in town. Uh, the Hannigans are here, as has been mentioned. Uh, very exciting. If I've missed you, I know we've got other visitors out here as well. And we are just super grateful to have you here. Laura and I got in last night from the frozen tundra of South Dakota. And uh, yeah, actually when we got in to Sioux Falls earlier this week, it was a balmy negative nine. <laughs> so that was very fun. And we are glad to be back, glad to be back here this morning. Uh, we just finished up Advent here, and a few sermons ago, I started off by thanking our event staff, uh, Andrew, Christian, or Christopher, and Camden. And I wanted to quick take a moment to thank uh, one other former event staffer this morning, uh, Mr. Brandon Spencer, um, who is with us for his last Sunday this morning. Um, Brandon and his family, they are going to be headed out to Kentucky. He's going to work on a PhD out there. Um, and they were going to be leaving, uh, but they had to stick around to, to battle their son Cooper's cancer. Uh, so, so we got a few more months with them while they were here. Um, but you guys are going to be greatly missed. So everybody, give a round of applause for Brandon in the back there. <laughs> Amen. Man, I, I don't know how many more Spencer goodbyes we can stomach around here, or Hannigan goodbyes, but uh, we'll do what we can. We're going to miss you guys. Our text this morning is provided by the lectionary and found in Galatians uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, if you want to follow along this morning in Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come... God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Let's pray together. Lord, we approach you this morning with humility and gratitude. God, with full hearts. God, we approach you and give thanks for uh, your light that has dawned on this world in Jesus. And God, I give, thank you, I give thanks for this body uh, that has gathered here to worship you, that has gathered here to encourage one another and to spur one another on to love and good deeds. God, I ask for uh, the gift of preaching this morning and I ask for the gift of your spirit within us to cry out, Abba, Father, as we worship you together. 
It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray all these things. Amen. It was the French Revolution, the, the overthrowing of the monarchy and the founding of the French Republic in the 18th century. And the revolutionaries decided to do something interesting. They decided to reset the calendar. And by that, I mean they discarded the old Gregorian calendar, the one that we actually, most of us around the world, still operate on. And they set that aside, the one that dates back to Anno Domini, the year of our Lord that dates back to the approximate year of Jesus' birth. And they decided to create the, the new French Republican calendar. And so this calendar changed in several ways. First of all, the discarding of the birth of Jesus as the marking of time, and instead going by the birth of the Republic. But it also changed the week. They got rid of, they jettisoned the seven-day week, and instead had a ten-day week, which had a day of rest, but kind of shooed Sundays aside. And so they had a nine-day work week. And months, likewise, were changed. Uh, they were all renamed, and months became made up of three 10-day weeks. And likewise, another change was that all the feast days of the church, these festivals of the saints and holy days, were gotten rid of. And instead, a five-day half-week was instituted, celebrating the five virtues of the new French Republic. And so these, these revolutionaries decided to, to restart time, to kind of reset the calendar, and to measure time in a different way. Only they didn't. Not for long, anyway. It was, it was a short-lived 12 years, and very quickly, uh, the, the new calendar became quite unpopular, so much that Napoleon Bonaparte just kind of tossed it aside, and they went back to the Gregorian. But I think there's something interesting that these revolutionaries understood on, an, on a deep level. And that is that time is a powerful thing. That time shapes us and forms us at deep levels. That, that the observance of time, our view of time, and, and the way that we experience its rhythms change us in deep ways. And so these French revolutionaries, many historians uh, kind of think that this resetting of the calendar was part of a larger project of kind of de-Christianization in the empire. Uh, so it's hard to kind of figure out how Sundays are going to work when you've got a 10-day week. It's hard to kind of figure out how you're going to celebrate these festivals when all the time has been focused on these new ones. And most of all, when you measure time by the birth of the Republic instead of the birth of Christ, that also sends a message to people. But Paul has no question about which birth is the fullness of time. Paul, long before the French ever came into existence, has no question about which birth is at the center of human history. And so I want to talk about that birth and Paul's view of it this morning in Galatians chapter 4 with you. Let's go back into verses 4 and 5 together. So Paul says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, 
so that we might receive adoption as children. Uh, So the letter to Galatians is sometimes dated as the oldest Christian document that we have in our New Testament. And we kind of see Paul with this almost creedal-like formula that he gives us here again, where it says, uh, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those under the law. But I think that, that most interesting phrase in this passage is right at the beginning. When the fullness of time had come. So this is unique to to Galatians chapter 4. This is the only time Paul uses this exact phrase. And this is kind of an idiom for saying the the completion of time, the totality of time, or or it could even be translated as, as kind of when the appointed time, the set time came. And so we're talking here about a appointed time from ages past by God, a time that that God had appointed in eternity long ago that has finally come to full fruition. And, And that appointed time, that completed fullness, happens in the small birth and coming of Jesus of Nazareth. The, the small birth and coming of Jesus, the Christ child. In Jesus, in the, Christian, the Christmas story, a, a new order of the ages has dawned. And, you know, the calendar has been reset. The fullness of time has come in Jesus. And, and His coming colors everything that came before it and changes everything that comes after it. But I think we need to take a moment this morning to acknowledge that the French people are not the only audacious people in human history. We also have been quite audacious about our view of time and our sort of view of the calendar revolving around us as Americans. Right? So if you haven't looked at the back of a dollar bill in a long time, Uh, I promise I'm not going to talk about the Illuminati stuff, (laughs) the conspiracies, but I I do want you to look at that. There's the pyramid with the eye and the the year 1776 uh, with the the Roman numerals at the bottom. But then under that, there's three Latin words, novus ordo seclorum. And... What that actually means is a new order of the ages. And and what's interesting is I've been thinking about this this phrase on the back of our money over the past week and thinking about what a breathtaking claim that is for a young nation. You know, to think about this, this great seal that's on the back of the dollar bill was actually designed about... 10 years after we were founded as a country, which just happens to be about 10 years before the French Republican calendar. And that is is such a breathtakingly audacious claim for a young country. To to say that in us, you know, the meaning, the purpose of time has been summed up and reoriented. You know, to say that, that history, all of ages past, has been reordered in our founding. You know, if, if the uh, unincorporated territory of American Samoa tomorrow uh, decided to kind of 
totally cut ties with us and, and restart their constitution and uh, redo their, their great seal and put the words novus ordo seclorum, we might greet that with, with a smirk or a chuckle. We might think, wow, how, you know, how audacious of you to, to think that human history could, could really totally be revolved and reordered by you. You know, and we, we're kind of used to this sort of grandiose language uh, about our country at this point in time, but to think about a young nation making that breathtaking claim of, of that history and existence and time is reset in us. But again, Paul, long before the French Republic or the American Revolution, Paul has a view of time that says the fullness of time has come when God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And yet some of us persist, I think, in living like French or American revolutionaries. I think not just on a country level, but some of us kind of persist in, in living as if our own existence has, has reset the calendar. You know, so I, of course, live according to the Van Derzian calendar, which began on October 21st, 1989. That's year one, day one, my birthday. And I think all of us, yes, it's an audacious claim, but, but all of us, kind of live according to our own calendars. You guys have your own calendars, and um, not just your birthdays, but you've got these momentous occasions that uh, set the rhythm for how you view time. You know, you've got moments of wonderful success that you mark. Um, you've got, you know, marriage anniversaries, anniversaries of jobs beginning, uh, graduation dates, children's births. And these events shape uh, the rhythms of your festivals and your calendars and your observances. Uh, I'll give you one from mine, kind of a calendar resetting moment. Uh, in Lara's and my relationship, um, that she's not here so I can tell this. Uh, no, it's actually more of a story on me. Um, because it was very early in our relationship and uh, I had written her kind of a romantic letter and uh, she got the letter, and she really liked it, and then I saw her on campus. We were freshmen, and I saw her on campus later that day, and uh, we were kind of talking about it. She really loved it, and so that night I walked her back to her dorm room, and outside of Gunn Henderson, uh, we were uh, going in for a hug, and Lars pretty tall, and so her mouth kind of comes up to probably around like my shoulder when we hug, and so I remember her saying something, and I, I swore I heard the words, I love you. <laughs> this was very early in the relationship, like weeks. And as you know, that's like a big step in the relationship. You know, that you're kicking things up a notch when you say the L word. And so, you know, she said, I'm pretty sure she says, I love you, and I haven't made any calculations at this point, but I'm feeling pretty good, and I say, I love you too. <laughs> and she kind of backs away for a second and says, I said I loved it. <laughs> she was talking about the letter. 
And I was like, oh. And so we kind of awkwardly parted, and fortunately, she texted me later, and I called her, and we figured it all out. We worked it out. But that was a calendar resetting moment for us. We took it to a whole new level there. You know, that changes things. That was a moment and that's still on our calendar that, that changed everything before it and changed everything that came after it. And that was one of those momentous, you know, just crazy calendar resetting kind of moments for us. And you all have those kind of moments. You know, you all have those moments, um, and we, we have wonderful, successful moments, but we also have uh, funny ones like that one, um, and, and we have difficult ones, too. You know, all of our calendars are, are dotted with, with difficult dates that we kind of approach with a little bit of unease, you know, or we, we approach with a little bit of dread, even, you know, anniversaries of, of loss, losses of, of job or losses of sobriety or uh, losses of spouses or divorces or, or even death. And so, so we have these, these kind of calendars that, that shape our, our lives as, as individuals. And not just as individuals, but even we as a church have these events, these calendar resetting moments as the springs. You know, for those who, who've been with us a long time or those who've just been with us a day or two, uh, this church has a long history of, of movements, of ministers, of geographical movements. Uh, we started back in the village days and then in, in 1980, I believe, moved out to the 14401 Quail location. Um, and then here we are. Here we are this morning just coming into this gym as of a year or so ago. And we have these, these kind of big, momentous, time-reshaping, fullness-of-time moments as a church. You know, I think of even just over the last year of all that's, that's happened at this church, a lot of growth, a lot of change, a lot of movement. You know, we've had uh, classes, we've had service projects, we've had mission trips to Belgium, uh, we've had a sermon series touching on Ephesians and, and mission and the word of the Lord and you are what you love. And we've had Advent. Uh, we've had some successes as a church. We've had new families come in. And we've also had families leave, move away. Uh, we've had uh, triumphs. And we've had tragedies in 2017. And we've had births. And we've had deaths. And we've even had rebirths. We've had a lot of rebirths this year, actually. Um, when you think about our, our youth group, even, just in the youth group alone, we have seen the baptisms of Matt Audi, Grace Watson, Jesse Bailey, We've seen Emily Bokesh, Kirby and Kinsey Buck, Annie, Josh, and Tim. We've seen a lot of rebirth this year at the Springs. And baptism is, is one of those things, I think, that truly is a calendar resetting moment. You know, 
Christian baptism really is a square on the calendar, I can tell you from personal experience, that truly changes every square before it and every square that follows. That is what baptism is. And, and I believe this morning that the reason baptism does that, the reason that our rebirth spiritually is such a calendar resetting moment is because that rebirth is powerfully connected to the birth. You know, that, that birth that Paul mentions in Galatians 4, and then he continues to go on and, and say that because you're children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Church, here, here's the best news of all. Uh, that if, if your rebirth has been connected to Jesus' birth, then, then you have been adopted into Jesus' timeline. You've been adopted and grafted into Jesus' genealogy. And in Jesus, every day is New Year's Day. In Jesus, every day is January 1st, every hour is a resurrection, and every morning is a new mercy in Jesus. Because in His timeline, you're no longer defined by your worst moment, your worst sin. In Jesus' timeline, you're no longer defined by your best action, your best righteousness. In Jesus' timeline, you're no longer defined by the, the French Republican calendar or the Novus Ordo Seclorum. In Jesus' timeline, in Jesus' family, you're defined by the Incarnation. You're defined by that moment of time's fullness when God sent his son, born of a woman. So I want to leave you with just one thought this morning, church. Uh, in about 12 hours or so, we're all going to head into a brand new year. We're going to leave 2017 behind. And some of you might be very excited to leave 2017 behind and enter a new year. Others of you might be entering with a little bit of worry. Others of you might be entering 2018 uh, with fear, with doubt. You might be entering with uncertainty. But, but here's the thought that I want to leave you with, uh, that, that whatever your feelings are about flipping over the calendar tonight, that Jesus has already overcome 2018. If Jesus is the fullness of time, then, then He's the climax of human history. He is the point at which all the rest of time is defined by Him. Jesus has already overcome 2018. And so, so what that means is that nothing can happen next year that Jesus has not already overcome. Nothing can happen to you. You cannot commit a sin that Jesus has not already redeemed. You cannot encounter a challenge that Jesus has not already met. You can't encounter an abyss or, or darkness 
so deep that Jesus' light has not already pervaded it. That's the truth I want us to take into 2018. Jesus has overcome 2018. I'm not promising you a year free of suffering. I'm not promising you a year free of struggle or sin or regret. But God is promising us a Savior who's going to stand by us through it all. God is promising us a church family who's going to walk through it together. God is promising that he has overcome 2018. That that 2018, whatever America says, whatever France says, remains Anno Domini, the year of the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, Jesus has overcome 2018. And if you are a part of Jesus' timeline, then you are defined by him. If you want to get in on that timeline, if you want to be grafted in, adopted as children, as sons and daughters, then I invite you to come forward this morning and and come enter that timeline. Enter rebirth connected to the birth, church. Come forward this morning as we stand and sing together.